Due to the graphic nature of this story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder and suicide that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. If you or someone you love is struggling with suicidal thoughts or the impulse to self-harm, please seek help. The United States National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. On September 5, 2002, a 35-year-old man walked into a gold dealer shop in Phoenix, Arizona. He pulled out a check for $152,000 and asked to purchase 460 gold coins. When they asked for ID, he said his name was Bison Deli. His answer raised some questions. Bison Deli was a former NBA player and someone no one had seen in more than two months. When the clerk asked for more information, the man showed him a passport and several credit cards that matched. But still, the clerk wasn't satisfied and called the police to let them sort it out. Authorities didn't have to question the man for long before they realized he wasn't Bison Deli. It was his brother, Miles DeBoard. He claimed Bison had asked him to buy the gold on his behalf. Since there was no hard evidence of foul play, the authorities let him go. Soon afterward, Tahitian police found Bison's yacht abandoned on a remote island, and they uncovered evidence that he died on board violently. Which left the Phoenix authorities wondering if they just let Bison's murderer slip through their fingers. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a one-part episode on the disappearance of former NBA star Bison Deli. In July 2002, Bison went missing off the coast of Tahiti. His boat was recovered, but he was never seen again, alive or dead. We'll discuss why Bison gave up his successful career to travel the world. We'll unpack what might have happened to him and question whether his brother might hold the missing piece of the puzzle that would solve his mysterious disappearance. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people 
and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. A note before we get started. Bison Deli's birth name was Brian Williams. His brother, Miles DeBoard, was born Kevin Williams. For simplicity, we'll refer to them as Bison and Miles throughout the episode. Bison and Miles grew up splitting their time between their divorced parents' homes in Fresno and Las Vegas. Both households were unstable. Their father was a touring musician, and time with him meant spending long hours on the road. Their life in Fresno wasn't much better. Their stepfather was reportedly verbally abusive. And when Bison and Miles turned to their friends for help, their mother and stepfather denied the allegations. They claimed he was simply a strict disciplinarian. In spite of these domestic challenges, both boys were athletic and artistic, succeeding at pretty much anything they put their minds to. Miles grew to be six foot eight and was a natural athlete until his severe asthma cut his sports career short. At 6'11", Bison was three inches taller and a track star. But he didn't discover his greatest talent until the 10th grade, when he started playing basketball. He was a natural, and in no time, college scouts started to actively recruit him. And by the time he was 22 years old in 1991, the Orlando Magic drafted him, launching his professional career. Over the next seven years, Bison hit the court for five different teams. He played alongside Michael Jordan, earning a championship title with the 1997 Chicago Bulls. And as a minor celebrity, Bison even briefly dated Madonna. But he didn't want basketball to be his whole life. He enjoyed philosophy and art galleries and learned a number of musical instruments. One time, while traveling to a game, Bison teared up while reading a biography of jazz trumpeter Miles Davis. When his teammate asked what was wrong, he said that he, quote, wished he had the same passion for basketball that Davis had for music. During his off-season, Bison traveled the world on trips that had nothing to do with his athletic career. He bicycled around the western United States with his best friend, Another time, he went to Europe without any luggage and backpacked across the continent without a set itinerary or destination. Sadly, his globe-trotting didn't seem to bring Bison any of the contentment he was seeking. He attempted suicide more than once and was diagnosed with clinical depression. Bison shared his diagnosis with his brother Miles. He also struggled with his mental health and tried to end his life several times. This made it hard for Miles to keep a job, so he spent his early adult life bouncing from city to city, seeking stability. To their friends and family, it seemed like Bison and Miles were both looking for something they couldn't quite define. They experimented with new interests, new locations, and even new names. In 1998, Bison publicly announced that he wanted to be called Bison Deli as a way to honor his Cherokee heritage and a distant ancestor who'd been enslaved. 
Around the same time, Miles renamed himself Miles DeBoard in honor of Miles Davis. Still, their new identities apparently didn't bring Bison or Miles any peace. A year later, in 1999, Bison was the highest-paid player on the Detroit Pistons when he abruptly gave it all up. Within five years and $36 million still left on his contract, he quit professional basketball. His choice seemed to come out of nowhere and baffled everyone in the industry. But those close to him weren't surprised. His best friend told Sports Illustrated that, quote, Bison's great fear was to be another 40-year-old NBA player, paying the rent by doing car commercials. Luckily, Bison didn't have to worry about his finances. Even though he broke his contract, he still had an estimated $5 million in savings, which he then used to travel the world. In mid-2000, he learned to sail in Australia. He bought an enormous catamaran called the Hakuna Matata, a Swahili phrase popularized by the movie The Lion King. Its direct translation is, there are no troubles. And for a while, there apparently weren't any for Bison. With a yacht of his own, Bison could comfortably call any place home. He sailed around the South Pacific with a variety of captains and shipmates. He met with new people and partied at sea. He lived the life he presumably felt he'd been missing during his basketball years. But Bison was lonely. In 2001, he reached out to his friend, 30-year-old Serena Carlin. They'd met when he was playing basketball, and she was working as a personal assistant to the musician Prince. And while they liked each other, they'd never dated before due to their busy schedules. But now that he had more free time, Bison invited her to join him on his travels. She leapt at the chance. Soon after Serena joined Bison in Australia, their relationship turned romantic. They fell for each other as they toured the Eastern Hemisphere. In early 2002, Bison and Serena were vacationing in New Zealand when they received a huge surprise. Bison's brother Miles also happened to be in the country. In fact, he'd apparently flown out to find them. Bison took Miles' surprise appearance in stride and invited him to join him and Serena for the rest of their planned yacht trip. After Miles accepted, the three and a captain named Bertrand Saldo set sail from Auckland, New Zealand on May 2nd, 2002. They planned to travel from New Zealand to Hawaii, then dock in California. But they weren't on a schedule. They planned to take their time exploring other islands along the way. On one stop, they checked into a hotel on an island near Tahiti and spent a few days there. By all accounts, when they checked out on June 24th, they were each in good spirits. But it was one of the last times Bison or Serena were ever seen. Coming up, Bison and Serena's love story takes a dark turn. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from ParCast, and I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads, and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. 
Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals, like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. In 2002, Bison Deli, Serena Carlin, Miles DeBoard, and Captain Bertrand Saldo sailed from New Zealand to Tahiti. On July 4th, the Hakuna Matata docked in the capital city. They set sail again two days later, making their way towards a French Polynesian island called Raiatea, about 150 miles northwest of Tahiti. The region was remote. While it attracted tourists, French Polynesia wasn't nearly as populated as, say, Hawaii. In 2002, phone and internet service were spotty, and Bison and his companions were out of contact from their friends and family. On July 7th, early in the morning, Serena managed to get online and sent an email to her mother just to check in. She said they were headed for Hawaii. No one ever heard from her again. Records from the satellite phone on board have since indicated that the boat was near the island of Maiao at the time of the message. While Tahiti is small, only 400 square miles, Maiao is minuscule, just 3.4 square miles with a population of only 220 people. It's not clear if the boat docked on Maiao or if they were only sailing nearby. Regardless, no one seems to have spotted them in the area. The next day, on July 8th, the boat pulled into a dock in Tahiti, and Miles was the only person on board. He'd planned a visit with his girlfriend, Erica Wiese. When he picked her up from the airport, she thought it was strange that Miles was alone. Erica knew there had previously been tension between Miles and Bison. For months, Miles had complained about his brother over the phone and email. So for Erica, it probably wasn't odd that Miles would want time away from his brother. But it was strange that Bison would abandon his own yacht. When Erica asked about it, Miles seemed unfazed. He told her Bison and Serena were on Raiatea. Miles had sailed to Tahiti alone to meet her. 
The explanation made enough sense, so Erica didn't ask about it again. She and Miles boarded the Hakuna Matata and sailed off, intent on spending a romantic week on a nearby island. But the trip wasn't the getaway Erica had been hoping for. Even though Bison wasn't around, Miles seemed moody. He kept complaining about his brother and tried to rehash their old arguments. At one point, he tried to break up with Erica, but she pushed back. They'd been together for two years, and she hadn't flown all the way to Tahiti just to get dumped. Eventually, Miles changed his mind and agreed to stay together. On July 15th, Erica flew back to the United States. She still hadn't seen Bison or Serena, but given the tension with Miles, this probably wasn't at the top of her mind. Miles reportedly sailed around Tahiti for a few more days after her departure. On July 18th, 10 days after Bison and Serena had last been seen, he docked the catamaran in Tahiti. Soon afterward, he flew home to the Bay Area. Back in the States, he acted odd, and his relationship with Erica continued to run hot and cold. Some days he was incredibly attentive. Others, he drank in excess, and she didn't know why. Meanwhile, no one heard from Bison or Serena in weeks. This wasn't unusual. They were at sea, far away from internet and phone service. But by early September, their loved ones started to worry. In particular, Serena's family didn't believe she'd go two whole months without contacting them. It's not clear if anyone reached out to the police. If they did, the authorities apparently didn't act on the reports. Bison and Serena weren't officially considered missing until someone suddenly accessed Bison's bank account in Phoenix, Arizona. On September 5th, Miles tried to buy a large quantity of gold using Bison's checkbook. Shortly after, the local police department questioned him on suspicion of fraud. Miles convinced them that his brother had sent him to buy gold for him, and the authorities let him go. In other words, on September 5th, Miles DeBoer told the officials that his brother was alive and that he was in contact with him. While the police accepted his story in the moment, they decided to launch their own investigation. Since Bison and Serena were last seen in Tahiti, they looped in local authorities on the island as well. And it didn't take long for them to discover Bison and Serena weren't the only missing persons. Their captain, Bertrand Saldo, also hadn't been spotted since the yacht set sail on July 4, 2002. The police were sure about one thing. The three of them weren't on board the Hakuna Matata. It was still docked in Tahiti, right where Miles had left it before he flew back to the United States. Empty. Tahitian police questioned locals, but no one had heard from Bison, Serena, or Captain Saldo. As near as anyone could tell, the last person who'd seen any of them was Miles. And of course, Miles had been acting strangely ever since their disappearance. But he still insisted that he was in contact with Bison. Perhaps he knew where his brother was and was ferrying gold and money to him. If a person wants to go off the grid, gold can be more useful than credit cards, checks, or even cash. It's not connected to a bank account, and it's very difficult to trace. And it's consistent with Bison's character that he would try to disappear from his old life. 
Earlier, we touched on Bison's history of attempted suicide and his penchant for spur-of-the-moment global travel. His friends knew about Bison's impulsive nature, and his risk-taking reportedly worried them. A former teammate once told the press about an unsettling incident on the team's charter plane. As they careened through the sky at a cruising altitude, Bison walked up to the emergency escape hatch and tried to pull it open. Immediately, everyone jumped up to stop him. When they asked why he tried to do it, Bison responded he, quote, wanted to see something. Years later, Bison might have sought a more metaphorical escape hatch. It's possible that he wanted to leave his old life behind and settle on one of the remote islands he visited with Serena. A staff member at the Tahitian Resort said they befriended Bison during his stay. The employee reported that Bison seemed happy on the island and even talked about buying a home there. Maybe he wanted to build a new life, far away from the United States and his old basketball career. He also may have felt like he needed to escape from the NBA. Even though he was retired, coaches and agents continually hounded him, pressuring him to reconsider. He kept rejecting every offer, but nobody seemed to take no for an answer. If Bison went off the grid with Serena to escape the pressures of athletic fame, that would be an extreme response. But given his history of impulsive decisions, it's possible. Miles might have even helped them disappear. He abandoned their yacht in Taravao, a remote town near Tahiti's eastern coast. He needed two locals to drive him to the capital city on the opposite side of the island so he could catch his flight home. There was no good reason for Miles to park the ship so far from his destination, unless he was dropping off his brother and Serena. They might have wanted to vanish in a rural town with a lower risk of being seen by tourists. Except it's hard to explain why Serena would want to disappear. The basketball agents and recruiters weren't harassing her. And there's little evidence that she had any desire to escape her own life. She may have chosen love. Everyone who encountered Bison and Serena during their vacation in the South Pacific commented on how happy they seemed together. Maybe Bison decided to go off the grid and Serena chose to join him in hiding. However, it's odd that she wouldn't get in contact with any of her family members to assure them that she was okay. And it's even stranger that the happy young couple would disappear with the boat's captain. Like we mentioned before, Bertrand Saldo vanished around the same time Bison and Serena did. And there's no good reason for him to join them in an escape from their ordinary lives. Which makes this explanation difficult to accept. Especially because Bison didn't have to get away from anything. He was already off the grid, turning down interview requests and making his own schedule. It's hard to imagine how faking his own death would have changed much of anything. And even if Bison, Serena, and Saldo all had good reason to disappear, you'd think someone would have spotted one of them by now. Bison was a celebrity, and at six foot eleven, he stood out. Which means the three likely vanished for darker reasons. After all, when the Tahitian police examined the Hakuna Matata, they found traces of blood and a hole that seemed to have come from a bullet. Coming up, 
Why Authorities Believe Miles DeBoard Killed His Brother. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Now, back to the story. Bison Deli, Serena Carlin, and Captain Bertrand Saldo all disappeared during a sailing trip in July 2002. The FBI began their investigation two months later. Three agents and ten technicians searched the yacht, scoured the docks, and talked to witnesses. Right away, they noted that just like Bison and Miles, the boat had changed its name. Before he flew to the United States, Miles docked in a port and put the boat under an alias, Aria Bella, not its actual name, the Hakuna Matata. Based on testimony from his girlfriend Erica, we can infer that over the course of five days, someone had painted over the boat's original name, and they probably were in a rush. Some remnants of the old title were still visible. The police figured that someone wanted the boat to be unrecognizable. And the only person who has been confirmed to be on board during that five-day period was Miles. When he allegedly renamed the yacht, Miles also repainted the deck. Later, the police used UV lights and determined that the paint job may have covered up bloodstains. They also uncovered damage to the hull that could have come from a bullet and a substance that might have been blood. They sent it to be tested, but it's unclear what the lab determined. Even without those results, the remaining evidence all pointed to murder, and Miles was the top suspect. Throughout their lives, Bison and Miles had a tense, troubled relationship. Reportedly, Miles felt like his brother had a much easier life. While Bison had a successful career, money, and fame, Miles struggled to hold down a job. Their mother even said, quote, Miles just never felt he was as loved as Bison. He walked in Bison's shadow his whole life. Bison financially supported Miles for most of their adult lives. Miles often lost money in failed get-rich-quick schemes, and Bison regularly bailed him out. In total, the basketball star gifted his older brother upwards of $100,000. And Miles' behavior suggested that he was embarrassed at how much he relied on Bison. At one point, he lied to his girlfriend Erica and told her he was business partners with his brother. In reality, he was unemployed at the time. According to Bison's personal assistant, the basketball star planned to cut his brother off right before he quit the NBA. But it's unclear whether he followed through. The personal assistant also noted that Bison genuinely cared about Miles and wanted to see him succeed. 
he might have had a hard time seeing his brother suffer when he knew the occasional check would help him out. If Bison did cut off Miles' financial assistance, or even if he merely threatened to do so, this could have made Miles feel more insecure. Not only was he still not self-sufficient, but now he didn't have any income at all. That may have been why he tracked Bison down in the South Pacific. Remember, Miles wasn't invited on the yachting trip. He spent weeks searching for Bison and Serena before he finally surprised them in New Zealand. Miles said he was there to repair their relationship, and as near as we can tell, Bison was happy to hear it. Apparently, he also said he wanted to be a better brother, but it didn't take long for tensions to develop between them. This was Miles' first time meeting Serena, and based on her phone calls and emails, they also didn't get along. In fact, Serena's best friend was surprised by how much she disliked Miles. According to her, Serena often tried to see the good in everybody, but Miles was the exception. It's hard to say with any certainty what exactly Miles did on the Hakuna Matata that may have made Serena feel so unsettled. But we know his behavior was erratic once he returned to the United States. The day after Phoenix police questioned Miles about his attempt to buy gold, he flew to San Jose to visit his girlfriend, Erica. He told her that he was in trouble and had to get out of town. When asked for more details, Miles changed his story. He told her Bison was in trouble. He didn't get into detail, but hinted at an accident and a missing person. He said, quote, I need to get Bison money, gold, because it's the portable currency. If anything, this only made Erica more alarmed. She kept pressing for more information until finally, Miles told her that Serena was dead. He refused to say when or how it happened but he said that he was afraid the police would suspect he'd had something to do with it. Apparently, this convinced Erica. She agreed to drive Miles to Mexico, and later that same day, they were in her car headed south. The next night, on September 7th, they checked into a hotel room near the California-Mexico border. Around then, Erica may have had second thoughts about helping her boyfriend flee the country. On the one hand, she loved and trusted Miles and must have wanted to believe he was innocent. On the other, his behavior probably didn't inspire much confidence. So she pressed Miles for information again. She refused to drop it until finally he told her the entire story. And once again, it didn't match his previous accounts. According to Miles, he got into a fight with Bison while they were at sea. They'd been arguing regularly, but this time, the disagreement escalated to violence. During their scuffle, Bison accidentally punched Serena. He hit her so hard she struck her head against a steel beam and died. It was an accident, but Bison panicked. Captain Saldo insisted that they had to report her death to the authorities, but Bison refused. He grew so angry, he beat Saldo to death with a wrench. Now, Miles and Bison were the only living people on the yacht. And Miles didn't trust his brother not to eliminate the final eyewitness. In his self-defense, he fatally shot Bison. If this was true, 
Bison's homicide could have been justified, but Miles didn't act like an innocent man. He told Serena that he disposed of Bison, Serena, and Captain Saldo's bodies by tying weights to them and throwing them off the boat. He never reported their deaths to the authorities. That's pretty suspicious, but the hard evidence supports his testimony. As we mentioned before, the FBI found possible signs of bullet damage on the yacht. Maybe Miles was so unnerved while he was fighting for his life, he fired a stray shot or two. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, he most likely used Bison's gun, which he kept on the boat. Few people knew about the firearm other than Bison. This supports the self-defense story. If Miles had wanted to kill Bison, he would have probably brought his own weapon, especially if he had no way of knowing about the gun on board. And if Bison had killed Saldo with a wrench, that would explain the paint job to cover up the blood. But the timeline doesn't hold together well. According to his confession, Miles killed Bison one day before Erica arrived in Tahiti. That's not much time to dispose of the bodies, scrub away the bloodstains, and repaint the boat. And you'd think he would have said something during her visit. Erica noticed that Miles seemed unusually irritable, which would make sense if he'd just survived a horrible trauma. But he spent a whole week on the boat complaining about Bison. That doesn't seem like a response you'd expect if he regretted killing his brother in self-defense. Plus, he had ample opportunity to come clean. Erica wasn't the only person Miles talked to in the days after the homicides. A New Zealand woman told the FBI that Miles called her on July 8th, shortly after Bison, Serena, and Saldo died. The police didn't release any details regarding what Miles and the woman spoke about. But we know one topic that didn't come up. Miles didn't mention his travel companions dying. If Miles' account is true, that means he saw his brother murder Serena and Captain Saldo. Then he killed Bison in self-defense. And right afterward, he rang up an old friend for a casual chat. That doesn't make much sense. And the investigators didn't think so either. They figured Miles called his friend to establish an alibi. If anyone ever asked him what he was up to at the time of the homicides, he could pretend that he was just having a normal day checking in with an acquaintance. Which implies that Miles' confession was little more than a cover story. The evidence was adding up, which implicated him for murder. But that didn't mean the homicide was premeditated. Miles had a temper and sometimes flew into violent rages with little provocation. He also took steroids to manage his asthma, which reportedly made his mood swings worse. Miles already resented Bison after a lifetime spent in his shadow. Their simmering tension might have erupted into a murderous rage during their cruise through the South Pacific. Serena and Saldo may have been collateral damage. On the other hand, Miles made a few choices prior to the trip that implied he might have been planning to do something to Bison. He purchased weights from a sports store in New Zealand in May, more than a month before the deaths. These were probably the same ones he used to sink the bodies. When Miles told Erica his version of the story, she didn't know when he'd bought the weights or about the call with the New Zealand woman. But she still had a hard time accepting his testimony. 
she left the hotel that night and drove straight back to Palo Alto, terrified. That night, she slept with a knife under her pillow. The following day, she contacted the FBI and reported what she'd heard. The Bureau rushed to question Miles, but he'd already crossed into Tijuana. There, he checked into a hotel and called his mother. He told her that he was thinking of ending his life. She took this seriously and immediately traveled to Mexico. But she didn't know where he was staying and wasted valuable hours searching for her son unsuccessfully. The FBI had the same problem. After raiding a hotel in Tijuana, they found his belongings, but Miles wasn't there. He was in a hospital. After his conversation with his mother, Miles had failed to take his asthma medication and then overdosed on insulin. Given his earlier allusions to suicide, many believe that the self-harm was intentional. A passerby found him unresponsive. They checked him into the emergency room. No one knew his identity. He was comatose for a week while investigators scoured the city trying to find him. It's not clear why authorities took a look at the unconscious John Doe or how they knew to find him. But after fingerprinting the patient, they finally realized he was Miles DeBoard. Soon afterward, they transferred him to a California hospital. The FBI had their suspect, but they still couldn't question him until he woke up, which unfortunately never happened. On September 27, 2002, the doctors declared Miles brain dead. His mother elected to turn off the respirator. With that, the last link to Bison Deli's disappearance passed away. According to the Associated Press, Miles left some important paperwork with his lawyer. The FBI believed this may have included a confession that finally revealed the truth about what happened to Bison, Serena, and Saldo. But it's unclear if the authorities acquired any of those documents or if the documents contained any clues. But it would seem the police believed Miles was guilty, even without a real confession. They stopped actively investigating around October 2002, roughly one month after his death. However, Miles was never formally charged. As of this recording, Bison and Serena's disappearances are still officially unsolved. And it's hard to believe they're hiding out somewhere in Tahiti, given how events played out after they vanished. Bison spent most of his adult life supporting his brother. It doesn't make sense that he'd let Miles take the fall if he was still alive. Which means the most likely explanation is that Bison, Serena, and Captain Saldo are dead. We'll never know if Miles killed them in a fit of rage or Bison made a tragic mistake that escalated into a multiple homicide. The ocean holds many secrets, and this mystery is one more that will probably always remain underwater. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Bison Deli's disappearance, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Sports Illustrated piece, Lost Soul by Chris Ballard, extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Julie Pearson with writing assistance by Angela Jorgensen and Connor Sampson. Fact-checking by Cara McErlene and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who were far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.